Do you think rubber bands just by themselves, Miss Jones? Last week, it was a 20-foot paperclip chain, and it's been reported that you've been taking six packs of Diet Coke home from the employee kitchen. Two. I took two cans. If you're lucky, they won't fire you. Just dock your pay again. It doesn't take a genius to know that you can't afford that suit on mid-management salary. What are you talking about? Not to mention these weekly trips to Atlantic City. Then there's this non-existent employee, Jane Smith. You are way out of line. What doesn't line up are these missing funds. What is that word? Embezzlement? Or is it that other word? Starts with an F. The fa felony? What do you want? Same thing as you. For you to quit. Actually, it's better if you fire me and give me six months severance pay and a glowing recommendation, or I email that to HR. A budding extortionist. Your parents must be so proud. Everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Mark, and I'm Steve. Uh, Steve, you want to take us out in a little bit of synopsis of what's going on? Uh, I, I ble- yeah, I do, I do. Because episode five, I, I really liked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit, I really liked episode five. I, I wasn't as big a fan of episode six, but we'll get to that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'll give a quick synopsis for episode five, which is AKA the sandwich, the sandwich saved me. Love that line. Uh, uh, through flashbacks, we get to see uh, some of what of Jessica's past. Uh, we get to see Jessica, uh, Trish, and Simpson. They make this plan to catch. Kilgrave using Malcolm uh, for those of you, to catch those of you uh, who are who are just now tuning in. Uh, the last episode we discovered that Malcolm was the secret spy who was taking all these pictures of Jessica and kind of setting her up. Um, so uh, they kind of use a plan. They make this plan to c- try to catch Kilgrave using his meeting with Malcolm because they know that he has to actually physically meet with Malcolm to get the pictures. Um, so they do this plan. Uh, we learned some more about the Jessica and Trish relationship, which I thought was was really good because we hadn't known that. Uh, unfortunately, though, ultimately the, their plan fails um, and uh, Kilgrave gets away. But Jessica does have a breakthrough uh, with Malcolm, uh, with Malcolm, with Malcolm and with with Kilgrave. I'm mixing the R's and the O's there um, at, by the end of the episode. Okay. What did you think about the episode, Mark? Episode five, the sandwich saved me. Oh my god, there was a lot of information in there, and actually leads leads into even more information in episode six, which we'll cover soon. Exactly. So, so I was I was happy about this. Uh, it, it leads into more, and you actually find out a little bit more about every character in some way. Yeah, it was really cool because because it wasn't really a setup episode, as but it was like but it, it was like a setup ep- episode masked as a reveal episode. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think I think that's what what uh, I think it's the best way to describe it. So, all right, cool. Let's let's go into our top five. And then there's the matter of your bill. 
So my number five is uh, I, I love to see Jessica that she had these detective skills before she was actually a private detective. You know, we see her we see her talking to this guy about this embezzling of this funds and the fact that he had uh, an employee on the books who wasn't actually there. And uh, so I, I really like that that idea of, of the thought of of Jessica's kind of detective skills before she actually was. A detective, and we see, you know, we see in so many um, other shows like this where we get to see uh, <coughs> private detectives use their skills, but we don't often see what leads up to that. We don't see the kind of the preparation of what led them to the idea that they could be a detective because it, it is, it's a job. It's an actual like it's a skill set. I think we talked about this during The Punisher with uh, Madani's character, that she had these kind of detective skills. Yeah, uh, definitely. She does have all these detective skills, and I think it's just being aware um, from just who she is as a person. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was her upbringing, or maybe it's just who she is, you know, as a person in general. You know, a lot of people have these things where they're just very focused, and they look at everything around them, and they're able to catch things easily. Yeah. So, which brings me to my number five, which is very similar to yours. Uh, seeing Jessica at a normal job, which is what you brought up about uh, her unmasking her uh, her boss or coworker at the time that was, uh, you know, doing all the, these things under the books, and then uh, her losing her job, and then being a little cunning about it, saying how she wants her severance, and throwing all these things in his face, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah, that was really fun because I, I, I saw a thing, an article just just recently about uh, TV shows and, and the, the fact that like her – how much her loft would actually cost in real life, in real time. And uh, you start to understand though, if she was able to get six months of severance pay, we don't know when that happened. But I mean if I got six months of my paycheck all at once, that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of change right there. Exactly. So, <laughs> So and, and it also leads into uh, with you know her at the bar with Trish, and then the guy coming up to him, them and finding out you know seeing Trish <laughs> and hitting on her, and then Jessica challenges him to the uh, the strength you know the test of strength uh, game that's there, and uh, how she would give him a uh, personal <laughs> you know touching uh, back if uh, he won. And if not, then he would have to leave and go to another bar and find himself doing something else. So, uh, you know, she easily rid themselves of the perv. And we see Jessica and uh, Trish's, uh, you know, their relationship as it is. You know, obviously they seem like sisters, but I found it very, very entertaining to see that at that point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really cool. We get to see so much of their relationship and, and get to see more of that, which I I, I really liked. So, um, my number four is it, it kind of goes a little deeper into Jessica's character. It's her guilt over the things, uh, not just the things that she has done, because obviously she has she has guilt over uh, the killing of Luke's wife, but she has guilt over the things that Kilgrave has done since he was with her. And, and I thought that was really interesting that she that she carries that guilt that no matter what he does, it, it almost seemed like there's that moment, and, and I'll probably talk about it later as well, um, 
where where the where Kilgrave has the guy throw the coffee in his face. And you can see that even that weighs on her. Like she like it, it seems like every day that Kilgrave is walking around, she is is feeling a little more guilty. Everything he does makes her feel a little more guilty. And so that's why it's really cool that she gets this this kind of this it might be a small victory with Malcolm where she's able to get Malcolm clean and able to get him out of sort of out of Kilgrave's control. You know, even though she's she's gonna be sending the pictures in, you know, she says, You you uh uh stop stop doing your stuff with Malcolm and I will send you a picture every day at ten AM. And I thought that was really cool that that she's she's willing to insert herself into this. And and I actually had a quote um because when she's talking to Malcolm about that, trying to get him clean, um, he says something about, I can't help anybody. Uh, you know, She says, you are going to be a social worker. And he says, I can't help anybody. Uh, but then she looks at him and she says, and, and I wrote this down. I put this in the notes because I really wanted to get it right. He did this to you to get at me, to isolate me, to make me feel like an infection. One more person dead or dying because of me. So stop being the self-pitying piece of crap he turned you into and save me for once and i i really like that and, and kristen ritter delivered that so well i thought that i really i really believed it i really liked that that idea that she's saying i want to save you but in turn my saving you is going to help save me so it's somebody that's trying to uh, like get away from their ptsd it seems yeah so uh, my number four would have been uh, Jessica's ability to find Kilgrave, and Malcolm gives Kilgrave some info. So Jessica's witnessing this, and her knowing that Kilgrave was the reason for Malcolm to being so sick and a junkie due to his suggestion. So this is something that uh, Kilgrave did to Malcolm to get what he needs, kind of like how he used everybody else that she sees in that support group. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, well, and and even um, Malcolm kind of plays with this with that at the at the end where he he speculates, and I think uh, Kilgrave kind of says this, and then Malcolm kind of speculates. Kilgrave says something about that he would have been a junkie anyway, and even Malcolm's not sure of that. And that's what I really liked when I talked about my uh, my other one mm-hmm. was was just this 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 Malcolm. And I think I've actually got it down in, in episode six as well because we get to. I really I'm starting to love this Malcolm character, especially now that he's that he's clean, because we're starting to see. Uh, I don't want to say who he really is because he doesn't know who he really is. All he knows is what Kilgrave made him into. And so his big question is, would I have been a junkie if Kilgrave hadn't done this to me? Yeah. What what would I have been or what could I have been if if uh, Kilgrave hadn't done this? And now he gets to see that. So I, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think we are to my number three. Yes. Uh, it's, it's real quick. It's, uh, Jessica does not have a driver's license. Um, <laughs> well, a lot of people I, I, in New York don't have a driver's license. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, that this is, this shows us the difference. I remember when I first joined the military, I, I went to, um, I was stationed in Texas and I'm from the West coast. I grew up in California and everybody like literally 
that's the first thing you're hoping for. Like yeah, that is your big, your next big hurdle in life. After getting out of kindergarten, after getting into high school, your next big hurdle is get a car, get a license. Um, but then when I got to Texas, I met plenty of people who were from like Virginia or New York, like you said, like East coast kind of people who were like, yeah, no, I didn't get my license. Until I was 18. I didn't get my license until I joined the military and had to have a license. You know, so it really kind of surprised me. But so when she, when I heard that that she doesn't have a license, um, <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting. But I think for her, it's more psychological than geographical. Correct. I mean, yeah. Do you think because because of the fact that we get that very small, we get a very quick statement when Simpson is talking to Trish about the fact that she took in this orphan after her parents were killed in a car accident. Yeah. You know. Some. Yeah, definitely, because she was in that car accident, and I'm pretty sure she has uh, hidden memories or Absolutely. nightmares yeah. regarding that, and nobody would be like, I won't ever be in a car like that again, mm-hmm. even though she is a passenger at times, but she feels that she doesn't need that burden on her, being a driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does a lot of, a lot of public transportation. Yeah, a lot of public transportation. Very good. All right, so, so you're number three? Uh, my number three will be uh, Will trying to help out and call out Jessica on certain issues with finding Kilgrave. You know, we, we know that he is uh, a police officer. He's And then Jessica finds out that he is uh, some sort of little relationship with Trish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he, apparently he comes from some sort of military background as well, based upon Sniper and all this information itself. Yeah, she makes that statement about why did they let you out of, of spec ops or black ops or, or special ops, you know, uh, that I thought was really, um, really good. And uh, yeah, that whole scene, um, and I still chuckle about it because, you know, w- when when the camera kind of comes back, we, we see Trish and we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know if she's in trouble or she's – and then we – then we slowly, as the camera pans down, we start to realize that, oh, that's not pain she's in. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Jessica's pounding on the door. And, and uh, so it's, it's really – and then I love that, that scene where he comes out of the bedroom and, uh, and Jessica's like, well, I guess you're over that whole him trying to kill you thing. <laughs> you exactly. Know? So, uh, yeah, I, it, I like that. I like this guy. I, uh, I really do like this character. But it's funny, too, because we know nothing about him, and neither do Jessica or Trish at this point. But he shows a lot of initiative and wanting to be with Trish and trying to protect her, even though in the back of his head, he's like, I almost tried to kill this person. And he has that guilt in some way. Yeah. So And I'm going to switch mine up a little bit because I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on Simpson because Simpson is one of mine. It was actually my number one, um, so I'm going to switch it with my number two right now. Uh, that fact that that he's kind of a badass, um, but he doesn't have any powers apparently. He's um, he's Frank Castle. I mean, he's maybe toned down a little bit mm-hmm. without without the bankroll, without the um, without the weapons, and maybe with some a little bit more moral compulsion i want to say because he he doesn't want to hurt the guys but he we definitely see him i mean he's attacking those three guys like yeah he's he's he's, he's out some, there yeah yeah and he has a lot of honest conviction he wants to help these people out and do as best he can and yeah it showed then that that 
definitely, because they were constantly yeah. with the prods going after Jessica and him. And yeah. then, and it, it takes him two, three times before he goes down. Trish is out like a light. Exactly, but, yeah. And then, then you got like six guys on top of Jessica, I think, <laughs> with yeah. prods. And yeah. <laughs> this one's not going down. <laughs> well, but then, then in like when, when, he's, when they get to the point where, where he wants – and this is the only point, the only issue that I kind of have with him a little bit that, that worries me is he was a little too quick to want to torture that guy. Like, like he was real specific about there's a, there's a ligament on the back of your knee or there's a vein <laughs> on the back of your knee that I can, I can snip that'll, that'll cause a lot of pain, but not a lot of damage. And the guy's like, no, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> you don't have to torture me. And, uh, and, uh, it really almost looked like he was kind of, oh, okay. I don't get to torture this guy. So that kind of, that's the only thing. That's why I, I kind of put apparently in my notes. Cause we don't, like you said, we don't know a lot about this guy. Um, but I, I like that, that Jessica tends to appeal to the cop in him. You know, uh, what is it that she says um, about uh, this? In, it's in the next episode, actually. In the next episode, um, or is it in this one? Whichever one, where she says, serve and protect, she reminds him, you're a cop. You took an oath to serve and protect. And so do that. And I like that. And that kind of brings him back yeah. uh, to understanding. So, yeah, I really like that. Um, so that, I flipped mine, but that brings us to your number two. Uh, yeah, that would be Jessica's concern about Malcolm. She sees him as a victim of Kilgrave, so, but she already knows and sees that, but she's trying to help him, and she's trying to get information out of him, and I think we saw some sort of compassion out of her toward him at some point, you know? Yeah, I definitely think so. Towards Malcolm, she definitely feels, because because it goes back to, to, to my earlier one, that she feels a a certain level of responsibility and guilt toward what has happened to Malcolm when she when she discovered that Kilgrave is controlling him then suddenly she you know, she realizes that this is another person that that Kilgrave is affecting because of me and when they show that flashback of her uh, defending Malcolm um, and then Kilgrave seeing that. And going, oh, you're incredible. And he tells the other two girls to leave. And then he starts dealing with, with Jessica alone. And he sees Malcolm at that point. And you get the idea that that's when, that's when Malcolm was on his radar. And she realizes that if she had never stopped to help Malcolm, then, then Kilgrave would have never seen her use her powers. And he would have never drawn, Kil, uh, never drawn Malcolm into his his ploy and and so suddenly she's seeing this whole spider web of people that she's affected you know because of her because of who she is and her relationship with with kilgrave has now affected all these other people so yeah yeah, uh that would bring us to your number one my number one uh which uh which i really was actually would have been my number one uh, i think but i kind of swapped it up late uh, so i'm glad it, it got it turned out this way is kilgrave's his he has a lack of compulsion uh he has a very ease of hurting people with his power uh just like i mentioned earlier with the thro- the guy throwing the coffee in his face he just he just kind of you know backhandedly says that like he doesn't even like he doesn't have to do that with the guy, he could just walk away, but he says, "Pick up that coffee, not throw it in your face." And and the guy does it, and you get this idea 
gosh, it's just it's just horrible. He I'm sorry, but he really is a bad guy. Yeah. This is not Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> and I you love know? David Tennant. <laughs> and he plays it so well. I mean, like it, it's it really amazes me. Um and I've seen him in in other things besides Doctor Who. But he really plays – it's just very – like it, the, just the ease at which he slips into hurting people. And even going back to uh, a couple previous episodes, you know, when he, he – he didn't even look at Simpson when he told him to, to not use the door, to, meaning for him to kill himself by throwing himself off the building. Mm. And then Jessica's able to catch him, you know. Um, it just – we're starting to see this idea that this guy, he's – He's not just he's not just evil, but he sees himself Superior. as a yeah yeah exactly he's a he's he's like the Magneto of this world. He sees himself as better than everybody else, and you're just you're just you know ants for me to play with. So uh, so yeah, so I'm glad that got to be my number one because this Kilgrave is a very interesting character. I think David Tennant is playing him really really well and uh i'm i'm torn uh because i haven't seen the whole season i'm torn between whether i want him uh to die or whether i want him to continue on whether i want him to be a villain that we can see come back again I, i'm torn between that so yeah uh, and your number one uh my number one would be uh hope having jessica bring her money in prison um but it seems like Hope is put in prison and then she's subjected to this prison lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, because, uh, lack of better words, she became somebody's bitch. <laughs> and, <laughs> and on top of that, Jessica seeing that and understanding that and winding at the very end, handing her over some cash because, oh, well, so and so could put money in your account. Uh, I forget her name, Carrie M. Moss's character. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Hogarth. 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 Yes. Yeah. So, and then she was like, no, it needs to be cash. So obviously she's being strung out in place. So basically bullying is going on, uh, her being forced to do things. And it's really sad, but you know, it's like Jessica constantly going back there because she feels responsible and obviously her handing over some cash. Yeah. Which leads into a little happier note and a funnier note for me and because it was the sequence just after that but i have to add the flashback with trish in the scene right after that about the superhero costume and them showing it she had a costume apparently when she was trying to be a superhero and how cute is that that whole that whole scene I just I just laughed both times when I watched this episode because I thought it was so cool when she said uh, uh, your name could be Jewel and, and Jessica's like Jewel's the name of a stripper okay <laughs> of a stripper yeah. um, and then uh, and she says if I wear that thing they're gonna call me camel toe and uh, just that whole sequence was great and then Trish you know Trish saying uh, well you can't wear a sandwich outfit to be a superhero maybe you could be the naked superhero uh, something <laughs> something to that effect so it was that was a great see we, we get to see and, and like you said before we get to see a very it's a very sister like um relationship between the two uh of them um so yeah i I really like um i had a couple of quotes that uh that jumped out at me 
that I really liked, and I'm I'm starting to look at yours, but I'm gonna let you say yours. Um, uh, the uh, the at the beginning when she's at the the job where she says, "Would you?" She's got to re- update her resume. And she said, "We would day drinking under experience or special skills." I thought that was a a cool line. I, I do some day drinking once in a while. Um, <laughs> And then uh, the the Trish uh, line to Simpson when he's telling her about what he found out about her, he, she says, "You've been googling me." Um, <laughs> I, just, I thought there was some double double entendre there. Uh, and then uh, when when they're all in the van together, and Simpson and, and uh, Jessica are arguing, and finally Trish stops them and says, "Okay, let's go back to tense silence, shall we?" <laughs> I thought it was, a, it was a really good one. So, what were some quotes that stood out to you? Uh, mine were. <clears throat> definitely uh she probably scares guys off and that's will about jessica about guys she's been with and uh and when to- uh, talking to trish uh it's pretty funny though it's just like oh they they were like, having a whole conversation about jessica and it's just like <laughs> it's very interesting yeah and then uh and then, of course, the one that you already spoke about is... I didn't even see that in the notes before. Jewel is a stripper name. <laughs> yeah, I swear, I did not read that before I said it earlier. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, those are those are the few, that the couple that I got out of it. It was pretty funny, though, as a whole. Um uh, Anything else in there uh, in that episode five that stood out to you? Uh, yeah, just things as as a whole, but uh, yeah, just little things that I one little thing that I saw at the very end, uh, the end with Kilgrave and Jessica sending him the picture after his text. Uh, a, a lot is going on there. A lot of history of the two of them. Uh, what did Kilgrave do to her, and what control of her does he have? over her other than the time when he was uh when she was under his voice influence or his suggestive powers so obviously there's something deep rooted in that yeah and i i i kind of this plays into a little bit of, of the next uh, actually the next episode that I, I had some thoughts about about him because i think it's it's this episode where he when he's talking about malcolm um that he 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 talks of the fact that um, I think this is the episode where he says um, it won't work over the phone where where he says you'll only talk to me on the phone because you know I can't control you or something something to that to that effect um, uh. and so we get this this idea and this plays right into the beginning of episode six where we see how we see some, Kind of the ex- not, I don't want to say the extent because we don't know what the extent of his powers are, but we see that uh, we're going to learn a lot more about his powers here in episode six. This AKA you're a winner. Um, <laughs> I, I, try, I tried to use her voice and I'm not very good at it. Um, but yeah, that that's really great. I love that that whole idea of his powers. Um, I have those in my notes and we'll, we'll get to those in a bit. Okay. Uh, that uh, but. So episode six is AKA you're a winner. Um, and, uh, uh, I have a very short synopsis of this one, uh, because it, it, there's, I'm a little, I had some trouble with this episode. Um, we learn more about Kilgrave's powers. Uh, we're going to see, we see him use them, uh, quite a bit in this episode. I think maybe more than anything else or definitely affecting more people 
than anybody else. Um, uh, and we see Luke. Luke comes back and he hires Jessica to find someone who's supposed to get him evidence about his wife's death. And then in prison, we find out that Hope is pregnant and uh, we get into why she was assaulted. And at the end, Kilgrave buys a house uh, and uh, more secrets are revealed in this episode six. I, I think more secrets were revealed in this episode than, than pretty much any other. Is that is that a good statement to make? What do you think? Pretty much. Yeah, a lot of stuff. We found a lot of things in this episode six to the point where, where for me, I as much as I, I have some issues with episode six, it almost overshadows episode five. As much as I liked episode five, because there's a callback in there, and I forgot to mention it when we were talking about it, that I, I thought was really cool. When she says the child and she's wearing the sandwich suit, um, she she uh, uh, puts her hand on the, the cab. The bumper, yeah, and, and you see the print of her hand. And I don't know if you remember one of the first – I think it's in this, the very first Superman movie, the one with Christopher Reeves. There's a scene where he saves somebody dressed as Clark Kent and he dents a van with I th- his – I thought he did that with the cab when he was walking across the street and he just stops it. Yeah, that may be – whatever it was. I, I knew there was – I know there's a Christopher Reeves – Ep, uh, Superman movie where he does that, and yeah. I could be I could be getting the wrong movie, might but be I, two. I it might be too. You might be right, but I just I, I I felt like that was a callback to that Christopher Reeves Superman movie where he does where he does that. So I uh, I, I thought that was really cool. And I forgot to mention that in the last episode. So yeah, it's okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so what is your top five for episode six? Uh, my number five would be uh, Malcolm working with Jessica about Kilgrave post-drug withdrawal. So we see that uh, Malcolm is very lucid, and Jessica walks in on him in his apartment, finds him on the couch, but also looks in his toilet and sees all the heroin that she dropped off, and it was in the toilet. So he refused to do the drugs, and he was in withdrawal at that time. But he became very lucid when she was talking to him. Yeah, I love I love the shift in his character from from the drugged out uh, junkie to once he's clean. And I thought what was really interesting about that when I watched that rewatched that uh, uh, scene is why didn't he flush the toilet? Um, you know, do you, did he leave it there so that she would be able to see that he didn't take it? Did he was he just not lucid enough to flush the toilet? I don't know. I thought that was interesting that he left it there. Maybe so. it was you know he he just threw it and then just went to bed. Who knows? That could be. Could be. Um, my number five is is the plot line in this in this episode. And this is this is probably the only really well. There's actually two things that I have really weak about this episode. It, it, the plot line seems very murky and unclear. And basically. What we what we find out is is someone co- has come to Luke and says that she has evidence about his wife's death, and he just automatically believes her. And so he uh, had already gone to this guy's apartment and searched it before he even goes to Jessica to hire her. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's already taken steps 
uh, toward this this end where he doesn't really know what evidence she's going to show. And then, of course, once he he talks to Jessica about it, you know, she's worried because she's she killed. She knows she killed his wife. And so she doesn't want him to get any evidence that might implicate her. Um, and then it's a little it made me feel a little bad about her that she waited until he almost kills the bus driver to come clean. Like she could have come clean in the apartment. There's so many places in between him getting the evidence that him, her finding out that the evidence is not about her um, and him actually confronting the bus driver. There's so many moments in between there where she could have told him the truth and she doesn't do that and uh uh i I think on on one hand i really like it that we we have this character that's flawed she's not the most virtuous i mean we already know she's not virtuous and righteous (laughs) but even as a hero she's not virtuous and and righteous like she's not going to come clean about this to him until she absolutely has to Yes, uh, and and I kind of felt bad about that uh, for some. Yeah, but it, it shows that she's only human, but somebody mm-hmm. who is, you know, granted some sort of power. Yeah. So, and deep down, we're all human. We all have our own issues. So it, it shows that she's a person. So. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to my number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number four, Luke coming to Jessica and looking into what is going on. He needs to hire her for the job, which you actually spoke about, and helps her on her quest. So, obviously, uh, we've already gone through some of those, but the fact that he took pride in the idea of, hey, I want to hire you. And then his uh, after that, he actually, you know, Malcolm confronts him at a certain point during the episode, uh, if you remember. And it's a, it's about Jessica and who she is. So it shows that Malcolm shows a lot of respect towards Jessica itself. Herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> there was a couple funny moments there between Malcolm and, and Luke where he's like, I'm going to kick your ass, you know. <laughs> and and like even if Luke – I'm sorry, but even if Luke didn't have superpowers, look at those two guys. <laughs> and like there's no way – there's no way I'm sorry that, that – that he, Luke would ever even be worried about Malcolm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Do you, and, and maybe it's just a plot device, but was there nobody else that he could go to, to hire? I mean, you would think him being a, an owner of a bar in, in the place where he was and the kind of people he knows, it just seems a little, a little, a little deus ex machina or very plot devicey, uh, for him to to come to her to be she's the only one who he could come to 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 do this uh, well uh, i i have to think that it has to do with him sharing his abilities and him okay. knowing her abilities and what she can do and what he can do and then plus that she is a pi you know she's able i to hadn't thought that. about that i hadn't thought about you're right she's probably the only the only superpowered PI that Correct. he knows. Now that makes that makes a little more sense. Okay, okay, uh, I'll take it. Um, but that brings me just to, to my number four, which is we kind of discussed a little bit about this uh, about Kilgrave's powers. Um, 
the fact that that they don't work over the phone, but he can affect a whole a whole room. You know, like when he was in that coffee shop, and she sent him the picture, and and he told the whole room to be quiet. Um, when he was in in the poker game, and he tells all the guys at the table uh, to go all in at the same time and then fold. And he very lackadaisically shows them the fact that he has the worst hand in in Texas Hold'em, and that they just lost a million dollars to the worst hand. Uh, his his powers are very um, they're very specific, but they're very far reaching. You know, like I can imagine if he was at a football stadium on the PA. Maybe not the PA. I don't know. I don't know. Would it work through a PA system? Does he actually – is it his voice actually – like his voice can't be amplified. Maybe that – it wouldn't work in it like a football stadium. But like in a room where everyone can hear his voice bouncing off the walls and stuff, uh, it works. So his, his powers kind of intrigue me a little bit. Maybe it's due to direct frequency. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then anything that's mechanical or anything – eliminates all that yeah could be could be uh i think we're to your number three jessica and luke talking about reva and that night what happened what was on the thumb drive that was buried everything links to kilgrave about reva yeah what did she have that's that was part of what got murky for me in this. And I remember when I watched it the first time, I was super confused. And it wasn't until the second time that I that I finally got clear because she she tells Luke exactly what happens. Because remember, he says earlier in the episode, he found that letter from his wife that said, if you go to this location and you, you uh, dig in this certain place, you'll find evidence about if I'm killed. You know, and he says he went there and he dug till his hands bled and he didn't find anything. Yeah. And and so now we get to see why he didn't find anything. It's because uh, Jessica and Kilgrave and Reva had already gone to that location, had already dug up the thumb drive and already took it out. So that means somebody came after and I'm sure I mean Kilgrave's got enough power he could do this. Somebody came after them and filled the hole back up before Luke found the letter and went and and dug in the spot, which seems a little that's it just seems a little strange to me that Kilgrave would bother to go back to the spot and fill it in. Or maybe just general contractors went back and filled in the hole. It just, it just, it just seems like I said. There's a lot of things in this episode that I kind of had problems with, you know. Um, and that's just one of them. That whole thing because she tells Luke that she dug and got the box out, and then it was a thumb drive. And so that goes right into what you said: is is what's on the thumb drive that shows. I mean, it had to be. I mean, I would assume it's some sort of evidence of Kilgrave's power, because the the whole point of these of this is that nobody understands his power, nobody can expose his power, and un- until his power is exposed, he's not going to be able to be exposed. So there must have been thump- something on the thumb drive 
that kind of exposes his pa- I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. There's All a big to be question. revealed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you, you've watched it, so you know what's coming up. But, Actually, uh, it's been uh, so uh, long, I'm looking as if I'm seeing this for the first time again. Nice. So that's the cool nice. part about this. It's been so long. Yeah. This came out in, what, 2015? So, right. And I only watched it once, So, uh, and I picked this up on Blu-ray not too long ago, but I'm watching it as you are watching it. But even though I already watched the second season, and I still have vague memories of what's going on, but I'm right. seeing it again with all true direct details so we could actually do this podcast. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's good. And and that leads me into um, my number three, which is is kind of kind of similar. We we really already talked a, a lot about it from the last two episodes, episode five and six. Is is Malcolm is is him trying to to get his questions and trying to figure out. Uh, figure himself out. I love that scene at the very end of this episode, episode six, where where he's with the group, and he says, "I, I didn't. I should have wrote it down as a uh, uh, as a quote. I have the quote from the beginning, but the quote at the end where he talks about the fact that the worst part is basically not knowing if you would have done what he told you to do, even if he hadn't told you to do it." Yes, is, is basically what he says. Is he said that's the worst part is that not being sure if I would have done these things anyway, even if he hadn't, uh, you know, compelled me to do them. And uh, I kind of like that that someone having that kind of introspection. Yeah, it's it's nice to have that perspective and a good question. And it's mm-hmm. like it's it's almost self doubt in a certain way. He, he's oh, absolutely. Questioning himself as a person in comparison to what he was created into by this other person. Yeah. And he's not even sure if he would have gone into drugs or things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. And that leads us to your number two. My number two would be uh, Kilgrave not using his powers to buy the house from that person. That man, he just shows up and he knocks on the door saying, I want to purchase your home. And the guy giving him that attitude, saying it's not for sale. Oh, and he starts bringing up market value, what it's worth, and offering him. And then he stops himself, and it's very unlike him as a character of with his powers. He just doesn't use his powers. He just opens the bag. I want to show you something. This is $1.6 million. He goes, you could buy two houses for that amount of money. He goes, yes but I want to buy yours. So eventually he's able to not suggest to the person to, with his powers to sell him the house, but the person willingly to do this by the next day. So what, you know, why would he do this? And we do see it at the very end of the reasoning why, which is really crazy. Well, the reason why he, we we know the reason why he bought the house, but I'm with you. It it is kind of confusing. It wasn't really until I I read your note that I thought some more about it. And you're right. He doesn't, he stops himself. He's about to compel the guy to sell the house. And then he stops and he goes, no, he says, let me show you something. And then, and then, like you said, he shows him the money, and he says, "Here's all this money. I'm willing." And then he has, and what was even more interesting, what you point out is that he went there prepared to not use his powers because he had the contract. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he and, and maybe maybe that's what part of it is, is that if he had used his powers to compel the person, then there wouldn't be any paperwork. There wouldn't be any um, documentation any or documentation. Yeah. yeah and, and and then Jessica being a, a private detective, you know, maybe she could somehow, I don't know, find out. That some that someone had stolen a house. How do you steal a house? I don't. I, I'm with you. It, it yeah. is a big. It is a big question. Uh, of because on one hand he could have just told the guy take the money, sign the document, and the guy would have never known the difference. Exactly, and it would have been documented at that point because he would have right. to sign it. So right. I don't know. Maybe he's having doubts of what he's doing, and he's trying to show some sort of good nature. In some way, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting. It's an interesting point you bring up, and I don't think it's one of those things that I, I suspect will never. They'll never show us anything more. We'll probably never see that guy again, uh, the guy who sold the house. No, um, but I'm I'm with you. That's a that's that is kind of an interesting question mark. That why you know why not just I mean he he, he left those guys with a story about the fact that they all folded to a deuce seven. When the flop hadn't even come out yet, I play poker sometimes, um, <laughs> and uh, so uh, so the fact that they folded before, but yet when he buys this house, he doesn't do that. That is kind of interesting. I, it didn't it didn't occur to me at the time. So right. interesting, interesting, uh, and that that's that's kind of cool because it kind of plays into my my number two, uh, which is the the secrets, um, and and specifically. Um, Jen has, um, Jen Hogarth, Jerry Hogarth, not Jen, Jerry Hogarth, uh, has asked to get the baby when, when hope passes her pregnancy, um, she, she wants to have the tissue that is expelled from her. I'm really trying to use medical terms for this aborted baby because it, it, is horrible, a horrible thing. But, um, and that's interesting because that starts to make you make us question. Does that mean that her relationship with Jessica has been based on the fact that Jessica has superpowers and now Hogarth is about to get a, at least the tissue of, if not a baby of a superpowered person. You know, because she knows whether I think she really believes that Kilgrave has superpowers. So, yes. we, you know, whether uh, she believes Jessica and, and whether she believes everything, she obviously believes that that Kilgrave has some sort of, and that he's the one that is the father of this child. Hmm. Good. So take. that's that's a good yeah, take on that it's, it's yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the future why does she want that tissue and uh you know what is she going to do with it so All right, cool and i think that brings us to your number one yeah that would be luke taking justice into his own hands uh he him finding the uh the bus driver charles and confronting him sitting in the bus uh during his route and How then, long was he in that bus? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then on top of that, when everybody leaves, he confronts him. And the guy said, I have not had a drink since that night. And 
the incident. And mind you, he's still working, and we all find out earlier in the episode that Charles is working because that was that whole confrontation of uh, Jessica and Luke in the apartment. <clears throat> and on top of that, you know, there there's the uh, Jessica coming in trying to save Charles. <clears throat> but at the very end, Luke finding out that Jessica has done that. You know, she was the one that did that. That was the one informa- piece of information that was omitted because as it shows in the documentation that, uh, you know, the Reva was killed by the bus, but not right. by through a full force punch from Jessica to the mm-hmm. chest. And <clears throat> this guy has been living with this all his, you know, from day one, thinking that he killed that woman. With his issue, you know, and him being drinking, so um, wow, that's that's interesting that you bring that up because I didn't I didn't even consider that because he runs off before Jessica makes her confession. Exactly. So he may he may still not know exactly um, that he was, and that's a. I'll tell you what I'll say this much: whether if someone, it's a big deal. Whether whether when you take someone's life. Whether it's considered an accident or whether you have some sort of fault in the uh, in the action, um, it's still a big deal. Yeah, it's a big still deal. Guilt no matter, no matter what, yeah. on it, yeah. And, and and for him to even carry, and now this is one of the things that I considered, and I this is why I, I wish they had showed us a bigger picture of the end of the line because I would have liked to have known if. And this is what it looks like to me, but but mm-hmm. correct. But they don't really show us this specifically. Is um, is the place at the end of the bus line where when everybody exits the bus and, and Luke's the only one on there? Is that the spot where Reva was killed? Um, because I I tend to think that's that's what happened. Is that that it was at the end of the line, so there was nobody else on the bus. There was just the bus driver who apparently survived. The crash, um, because we see that earlier in the in the episodes, we see the bus actually tip over, yes. like on its side, you know. Um, so we know that the bus had some sort of a crash, and obviously the driver survived that crash. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wondered, were there other passengers on the bus? And so I, I I wish they had kind of confirmed for us, and and I think Jessica being there kind of confirms for us that. The end that must have been the end of the line where Reva was killed was the end of the line. That was him. Everybody's off the bus now. I'm leaving to take the bus back to wherever. And he sees the body, swerves to avoid it, crashes the bus. But then the investigation says that he killed her, and MTA doesn't reveal that he had a, a you know a blood alcohol level yes. of whatever. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so you think. I guess that's what my, my my whole question is. No one else was on the bus when Reva was killed. It was just the driver and Reva were the only ones involved in that accident. Well, Reva was in the street not, by the right, curb line, in the street, but in the I, street, not on the bus, right? Exactly. Right. And then the driver was the only one there. And it right. would make a lot of sense for the fact that Jessica knew exactly where Luke was because yeah. she was there and she remembers. Okay. So, okay. So that's good. I'll take that. I'll take that as confirmation that that the accident, the bus accident, happened at the end of the line. Correct. That also makes sense. That also makes sense of not just why Luke would have waited that long. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because Luke, like on one hand, you can think, well, Luke waited until the end of the line so that nobody else would be on the bus when he confronted the driver. But also he could be waiting till the end of the line because that's where the accident occurred. Uh, that makes a lot more sense to me. So I, I, I can I can I can go with that. So yeah. which I find very odd that he still has that route after so many yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. It seems a little bit. It seems a little like. Have they told us how long it is that it's been? Nah, I mean, it's I only, don't recall. It's, uh, it's got to okay. be a, a few years at least. I would think at least a year, but I'm not sure because they haven't really told us. All we know is that the woman who gave uh, Luke the evidence said. That he has the same route, that he's mm-hmm. been driving the same route. And then he says to Luke, I've never had it, I haven't had a drink since then. Yes. And and so I, I don't know if we really know exactly how long of a time period it's been, but I, I'm with you. I think it's had to have been at least a year, if not more yes. than that. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that makes another interesting thing that it means this person waited until now. Well, I guess they waited until they had some sort of leverage to ask Luke for it's yeah. Like I said, this this episode, the, the plot, I I love, don't get me wrong. I love <laughs> this episode. I love the moments that happen in this episode. It's just the overreaching plot that that brings this episode together. I have issues with cuz I can poke way too many holes in it. I don't like doing that. I don't I like I want mindless TV. <laughs> no, not mindless TV. But I, I, you know, I want I want TV that that I that I can't necessarily poke really easy open holes into, and uh, and that's uh, one of them. So, oh, all right, let's we're digressing. This brings me to my number one, uh, which is the big reveal at the end of uh, the episode is that the house that Kilgrave has bought is Jessica's old house. Yes. Um, we and, and and what is this obsession that he has with her? I mean, I I know. We saw at the end of the – or at the beginning of the fifth episode when he's talking to Jessica on the phone, uh, he talks to the fact that he has the bruise on his face you know, and where she punched him. And he realizes that she's someone who can hurt him. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's all there is to it, that his obsession is the fact that he's finally met someone who – yeah, who he can be hurt by, if that makes sense. It's kind of a masochistic kind of of statement because he gets this kind. Of, if you remember, I think it's the beginning of this episode. Um, oh gosh, it's one. It's in these two episodes where he wakes up, you know, and he takes the tooth out because he he lost a tooth where she hit him in the face. Him. Yeah, she was punching yeah. him. Yeah, she punched him a good couple of times and he loses a tooth and he gets this kind of smile on his face because it's almost like he's realized that this is a person who can hurt him. This is a person who is willing to hurt him, mm-hmm. you know, and and maybe that's all there is to his obsession. But it just seems a little weird to me that he's he's so obsessed with with her as a person and, and to the point where he buys this house uh, knowing I'm assuming he knew ahead of time that it was her house mm-hmm. and then he, he peels the wallpaper off and you can see the little hash marks where she grew uh you know as a child from age 11 to 14 you know and he's and then when the obviously the camera comes out and we see that those two streets that she always is talking about mm-hmm. or two of the, the several streets streets she's talking about um so that was really my number one was just that 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 reveal at the end uh that 
he's still he has this weird obsession with her that uh, that is just so I don't know it's just so strange to me. Um, so um, I, I didn't see uh, I had one quote uh, that I thought was was that I've already really kind of talked about. Um, it's at the very beginning of the episode when Malcolm is on the couch and he's talking to Jessica and he says the fact that nobody knows how he does it. It can't be explained. So it can't be believed. Uh, and that's Malcolm talking about Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. And I really like that idea that this is the problem that really this, this, uh, whole season probably is going to explore is no one knows how he does it. You can't explain it. You can't explain why, uh, through just words, he could convince a, a girl to kill her own parents. You know, why he conv- he got Malcolm to be a junkie. Why, you know, all these things. And so because no one can explain it, they're going to take it down to the, to the lowest common denominator. And they say, well, obviously it's you. It's not him. Um, and that quote is really is really telling of the entire series, really, at least this season. Yes. So, uh, did you have any other other notes that we have missed? Uh, not really. I, actually, you touched upon it on your number one. I was talking about Jessica. Now, mind you, it's two street signs, um, mm-hmm. two streets that she talks about as going to, from what I could see, as a happy place. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, when she recites uh, the streets to calm herself down, I count how many about six streets. Yeah, yeah, it's several streets, and she says the same thing to Hope. Um, if you remember, in the first, oh, second or third episode, she tells Hope um, that she's, or she suggested to Hope that that her psychiatrist may tell her to remember street signs of her childhood to help her remember if she has happy memories of her childhood. Correct. To the streets. So I think that's kind of where that comes from, that whole. Uh, the only other thing I had uh, was it, it kind of surprised me, and I, I thought about it the first time, and I thought about it the second time I watched it, was that when she, when Jessica is in the prison and she kind of assaults the prisoner who attacked Hope, no guards respond. Like nobody, <laughs> you don't hear anybody say anything. She literally throws this woman up against a vending machine and spends a good. 20 30 seconds talking to her you know uh like that and nobody even notices and i, I kind of that kind of took me out of it a little bit because uh you know <laughs> if you ever watched arrested development um whenever they're visiting george senior in the hos- in the hospital in the prison mm-hmm. they're always like the guards are like right there like there's any kind of even casual contact the guards are like <laughs> no touching you know so i, I that kind of surprised me the fact that that no guards responded to her uh grabbing that prisoner but uh, you know hey it's it's a show you you got to you got to let it have a few things <laughs> that is true so uh, uh we can move on to like some sort of comic talk, but obviously I don't have anything. Uh, you have a few that are interesting, but uh, not so much. But a lot of things are coming out lately. Yeah, 
there's a lot of stuff. I, I, I like. I, I just went through my stack that I have. I literally have a stack. It's horrible. I have, and, and I put this in the notes. I have eight comics that I need to read, and I'm gonna get to them. Uh, we have two Oblivion songs. I've read the first one of uh, Robert Kirkman's Oblivion song, which I really liked. And I think you've read the first issue as well. Yes, I uh, still have to do the same as you and read two and three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the two. I've got three Witchblade. I'm a, a I like Witchblade. I, I uh, read the comic many many years ago. Watched the TV show uh, for a little bit, and there's a new run of Witchblade that just started uh, back at the end of 2017. Uh, and then uh, Despicable Deadpool just went over issue 300, so I have rich issue I think 299, 300, and 301. Uh, to read once I once I get all those read read then I'll have something to to share <laughs> uh, and of course um, the movie is coming out tomorrow I have tickets to go see uh, to go see Despi- uh, Despicable to see Deadpool <laughs> two uh, tomorrow at ten a.m. so I will definitely have some thoughts on uh, Deadpool two the next time we we podcast uh, have you have you seen it yet or are you uh, are you waiting to see it this weekend I'm gonna see it this weekend I don't know exactly what time yet but uh, it is on my list just like Infinity War is where which I had seen it twice already and oh my goodness. <sighs> I'm so glad I finally get to talk about this poop fest. <laughs> this, uh, I was, n- I did not like. <sighs> all right, uh, all right, everybody out there, uh, spoilers <laughs> and three, yeah, spoilers two, you, one. All right, you uh, have not I'll, seen Infinity War. Go ahead. Uh, I'll, Go ahead. I'll state it flat out. Those of you who actually read know that uh, Thanos. Yeah. All right. He uh, in the comics, it was about all about his love for Lady Death. This story does not come that way. Um, You don't see the Silver Surfer coming out and warning Doctor Strange. You don't see this whole gambit of everybody trying to stop him from uh, obtaining any uh, Infinity Stones or anything of that such like in the comic book. With this, it's it's been an ongoing Marvel uni- cinematic universe thing where the, they've been slowly and he's been slowly gathering these gems. So in this, it it became almost kind of like a Negan-ish kind of thing, and I'll reference The Walking Dead, <laughs> as both Steve and I are fans of, and um, basically he wanted to make the best of the of the universe as it was. By eliminating half of it, and with these Infinity Stones, he can make that gauntlet and change things and eliminate half the people in the universe, so that way uh, those that are surviving will thrive and survive, and just like his on his own home planet at one point, where they he brought it up to where he was living on his planet at one time, and they called him a heretic, somebody who was crazy. So he ventured out on his own to do all these things and having all these things put into place. And here we are at this point where he's trying to do this and sees himself almost like Stark. They're pretty much the same, which I do not get. But um, (laughs) how it all ends up is because the last Infinity Stone is on Earth. And that's through uh, Vision's Mind Stone. So uh, a lot of people are not happy with this in the way it ended and spoilers a lot of people die and all we have is the original avengers and uh everybody new in the universe is gone they all just turn ash so a lot of people are not happy with this but obviously we're gonna see more movies coming out obviously these people are not permanently dead 
Yeah. I, I okay. I'm gonna get. I mean, I've had a little bit of time, and and so I feel better about it. Obviously now than I did because I I've, I've had a chance to reflect. I've had a chance to talk to some other people. I have two big problems. My first problem is if they had just said if they had done the Harry Potter route <laughs> and hit and they had said Infinity War Part One, I, I probably would have it would have helped me a little bit. Uh, knowing that there's a second part planned uh, would have helped. <laughs> um, second. The other problem I have is that I don't know. I'm not a math whiz, but it sure <laughs> seems like more than half of the Guardians of the Galaxy are gone. Yes. The fact that we only have Rocket. <laughs> who, who doesn't uh, love uh, like wise mouth raccoon? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. One out of five or six. I, I, I get the numbers mixed up. That's more than half. Okay, so so those are my issues. Now, now I had time to reflect, and people who have, have reflected have probably made the same conclusion I have. Doctor Strange did see all the outcomes. Yep, six million four hundred and what, fifty yeah, whatever the number scenarios, was. but only one yeah. worked. And he said one would work. And there is the line where he says Tony, where he says to Tony. This is the only because earlier in the in the movie he tells Tony Stark he would never give up the time stone. Yes. He would never that there was nothing that he would let everybody else die for Before him to give up the up. time stone. Correct. But then he gives it up and when Tony asks him why he says this was the only way. So okay, so maybe the one way to fix it all was for everybody to die. If that's the ah, I'm sorry. I just have issues with it. Go ahead. No, that's just my issue. That's just my issue. You know, just tell us ahead of time. First off, tell us ahead of time that it's that it's there's gonna be two parts. Uh, and, and some people knew when I talked to people. I know. Other people were like, <laughs> were like, no, no. We always knew there was gonna be another part to this. Um, and then don't make me set in the theater for twenty friggin' minutes. Maybe it wasn't twenty minutes. It felt like twenty friggin' it minutes. It did. Trust me. Watching credits just to see more people die. <laughs> okay. No, not give many. Me, no, you didn't give, really see people die. You, you, well, well, you saw. Well, all Cap- right. Okay. I, I'm a big Fury. Kobe, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a big Kobe Smolders fan, um, and uh, I, I like uh, Kobe Smolders. Um, and she, that was a friend of mine trying to call me. Um, I'll talk to him in a minute. And so seeing, and so when, as soon as I saw her on screen, I said to a friend of mine who was with me, I said, cool, we get to see Kobe Smolders. And then, of course, she turns to ash. And so, <laughs> um, you know, anyway, so I just, but, I just said I had issues with the end. I, I will be honest. I loved the entire movie. Everything about it was great. I loved the interaction. I loved seeing um, uh, seeing Peter Dinklage as a huge giant dwarf. Uh, yeah, yeah, a giant <laughs> dwarf. I loved seeing that. I thought that was super cool. Uh, I loved all those things about the movie. Um, I just the ending just kind of uh, just kind of a gut punch, and uh, I didn't like it. So. it. It was a gut punch, and I do admit to it. And I was there going. Like everybody else, but at the very end, you see what who Fury was messaging or going through that whole uh, 
yeah. what was it? It was a, it was a beeper that he was yeah, launching it was an through. Old pager, and but the, here's the problem. The other problem I have with that ending is how many people actually know that's the Captain Marvel, whatever Marvel person. They don't. Inst- only, they don't. Only true Marvel fans that will go see yeah. uh, or go see it or will research it after the movie who are just cinematic fans will do that and go, oh, but right. um, another spoiler ahead. Uh, I'll give you a three, two, one. Uh, it was Adam Warlock that actually changed everything. Not mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, and I'm sorry, it's not Captain Marvel to me because I grew up in the '80s, and I, I the only person I knew of Captain Marvel was uh, DC's version that was on a Saturday morning episode in the '70s, and then Captain Marvel, which where Miss Marvel gets her powers from, and then everything changed in the '90s, and she just said, yeah. "All right, I'm Captain Marvel." But yeah. I, I did some research and I found out there's way too many characters in the DC and the Marvel Universe who have had the Captain Marvel moniker. They well, need to do something about that. <laughs> yeah, well, the fact is now the Captain Marvel that's in the DC Cinematic Universe is going to be only known as what we knew when we were children in the 70s. Sorry, giving away my age, but it was Shazam. So, so now yeah. the only Captain Marvel we will know is Miss Marvel or a woman who has these powers. But yeah. hopefully when they come out with the movie before the new Infinity Wars or whatever you would call Avengers, they haven't really divulged that, that title yet, but uh, apparently she's the savior. But with yeah. sneak away picks, We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. Who with, knows? With, with set picks that I've seen, I've seen people with wristbands. You actually see Tony Stark in a shield getup, and you see the original Captain America suit. Yeah, uh, from well, we've the got, first Avengers movie. Yeah, too. we've got at least one movie. One movie that's is it one or two movies that's going to be in between the the next Avengers. Is we it just Captain have Marvel? Two. We only have two, and uh, the first one that's coming up will be Ant Man and the Wasp, and that okay. actually, and then that's right. going to take before. place during. Yeah, no, it takes place before Infinity Wars. Infinity War, right, right, and so then Captain Marvel is going to take place in the nineties, way before, from Correct. what I understand, uh, before Infinity War. So we got two movies that are going to come out before the next Infinity War, whatever they're going to call it. I assume they're going to call it Infinity War Part 2. Or, Maybe they'll call it something else. No, or the uh, Avengers, the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, could be, could call it something. Yeah, they, they've got they've got a lot of openings. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited, and the only thing that makes me mad about it just is the fact that, that they're, they're, they're just, they're just insisting they're going to make more movies, which, which is, which should have been expected. I guess. Yes, yes it is. You know, I should have not expected it, but it just it just got me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> All our hopes and dreams gone down the floor into the sewer with the rest of the trash. I'm not trying to quote an overkill song, "Hello from the Gutter," <laughs> but um, I had to do that. Sorry. And so I, what? How can how can people submit feedback to us, Mark? Uh, they could submit feedback through our Facebook page, which would be Panels to Pixels on Facebook or uh panels to pixels one at gmail dot com. Uh I've not seen any mail regarding anything lately, so if you guys have any mail, please send it that way. 
Uh, I've seen a few likes. I've seen a few likes and a few. We've got a few extra from. Uh, I got to meet Lou Ferrigno at the NRA annual meeting a couple weeks ago. Awesome. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I posted that pic. Uh, that's a panels to pixels uh, thing. Lou Ferrigno being the Incredible Hulk. Uh, so we've got a few extra, you know, people who see our stuff. But yeah, we've nope. been promoted. A, a few hundred people actually been following us here and there. So at least we have that. Uh, you could actually hear me on another podcast. I am also the co-host of The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. So uh, currently we're doing Fear the Walking Dead, which is awesome. So yeah. are I, you uh, are you able to be on all those, or how's that how's that working? Because I know there's a there was an issue with that earlier. Uh, right now we're I'm holding on to that. Uh, I missed <laughs> one episode due to computer issues. So, right. uh, everybody out there, please hold tight because more episodes are coming out for this. Oh podcast. no, he's great. Everybody who's listening, he's great on the buried. I'm in fact I'm I'm partway through the buried uh, episode. Uh, listening to you and, and got to hear uh, your thoughts on uh, the previous episode on that. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, you guys thought about the Laura episode. So. Oh, that was fun. So, uh, yeah, you guys could find me at, uh, like I said, The Walking Dead Talk Through through Golden Spiral Media. You can be found on Apple iTunes. You can find it through Stitcher, uh, a few other podcasting apps that you can find through your phone or your tablet. And then where can we hear from you, Steve? I know that you <laughs> have joined in on a couple yeah, I've I've been on Brian Malosh's uh, Star Trek Discovery podcast. I would love to to come back on that again when when Star Trek Discovery comes back. Uh, I submit a lot of uh, I, I put it in the notes a lot of unread feedback uh, to shows, but there's some that that does get read. Um, I send voicemails every once in a while. Um, mostly, I, I I love the show Legion and. Uh, the, there is a podcast for uh, the show Legion on the Podcastica network. Brian, uh, Mark, and I are part of the Patreon group that helps support Podcastica. And uh, if you want to hear me, you'll probably hear me this week, I'm hoping, on the Legion uh, podcast for this current episode uh, as I left a voicemail for them. And then I got to talk to them this weekend about it. So uh, we'll see what the future holds. All right, cool. And if you guys want to help out a friend, uh, you could actually see uh, Brian Malosh's on our Walking Dead Talk through Facebook page. He has a GoFundMe page. Uh, Brian lost his job not too long ago. Right now, things are looking up for him. But uh, things are not that well with people who are out of a job for a while. So if you could go out and help him, that would be awesome. Yes, and that's Brian. That's GoFundMe. Brian needs a hard drive. Is that it? something like that? Yes. Yeah. Um, so go find that. Please uh, help support uh, our good friend Brian Malosh. So uh, thanks for everyone for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. <laughs>